Good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. For those of you who are worshiping with us online, hello. I'm not the normal persecutor here. I'm not. Uh, I'm visiting today, and glad to have the opportunity to be here. And I have a special request of you that are streaming today. If you're streaming because you enjoy drinking coffee and attending the assembly, sitting around the table, you're missing out. Because the purpose of the Lord's church from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, is not that you have to come to the assembly, but you get to come to the assembly. And you come because you're admonished and you're encouraged and you're built up. And I know for a fact, because I've lived a few years, nobody out there on the street encourages you to serve Jesus. No one in the workplace encourages you to serve Jesus. No one at school encourages you to serve Jesus. If you're going to be encouraged to serve Jesus, it's because you've chosen to be around God's people. It's a special privilege that we have to gather together and sing songs of praise and worship and honor Jesus and fellowship with our brothers. Praise God for that. When I was doing the presentation a moment ago, I mentioned Joni Roberts. I mentioned Roberts, and then one of your brethren told me that was Joni Roberts. And I understand Joni and Dave used to attend here at least in times past have been here at this congregation, so some of you know them. I'd like to give you a quick report. You know, several years ago, Joni came down with cancer. She's fought it and fought it well. Uh, she was supposed to live about three months and she's been living another four or five years. Right now she's kind of, she's sat around and laid around more maybe than she should, and so she had a little difficulty getting up, and uh, we're trying to encourage that. Her son, Elliot, his wife is pregnant, and her baby's due in March, I think. And I think part of the reason she's living is she's looking forward to that grandbaby. She told my wife and I many, many times, I've taken care of everybody's grandchildren but my own. And so she's really looking forward to Elliot's child coming. So pray for her. And a young lady that worked with us in a mission, Carissa Holland, is a very dear friend of hers. And Joni and Carissa have been praying for the mission work I'm involved in ever since the mission work began. And one of the things they wanted was to have a library over there and to teach the children uh, an education. So just this past week, I met with Carissa, and I asked her if she would like to be in charge of the oversight of the work that we're going to do teaching children at an orphanage we are next to that has 600 children, 12 years old and down, that does not have a school. And we're going to teach those children. We're not going to teach secularly because we don't want to get involved with the government. We're going to teach those children to, read, to write, to read and to write, and we're going to teach them. Carissa says we've got to teach them math. I don't know why. They don't have a nickel. But anyway, 
we're going to do that. And so I told Carissa, you go and tell Joni she has to get well. She has to get up. We need her to go help us teach those children. And so we need to encourage Joni. And if you know Joni and Dave, you need to pray for them. They are special, special people, as you well know. I have kind of an interesting story to tell you. I want to spell my name to you for you. My name is Tyrone Minear. That's M-Y-N-H-I-E-R, and the H is silent. Minear, M-Y-N-H-I-E-R. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because I preached over at Groves, Texas for a few years, and it was the first work that I did when I got out of school. And the first Sunday, they had the bulletin, and the bulletin said, we want to welcome our new preacher this morning, Tyrone, M-Y-N-H-E-A-U-X, because I had been in Louisiana. And so I thought you might get a little kick out of that. That's interesting. I changed my sermon this morning about 8 o'clock, and uh, sometimes I do that and get into trouble. But... uh, You could take it negatively, or hopefully you'll take it positively. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, says God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides, it divides, it cuts. And I want to give you an example of that. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, He said in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore, let all the household of Israel be assured of this one thing. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. In verse 37, they said, They were cut to the heart, cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, when we move up to Acts chapter 5, the apostles had filled all Jerusalem with their teaching, and they were in prison, and God got them out of that prison. God always deliver you. He got them out of the prison and they're back on the streets teaching. And the leaders of the Jewish nation found out they were out on the t- preaching and so they called them in and said, we, verse 28, we charge you strictly not to teach anymore in this man's name and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. It said they were cut to the heart was the reason they challenged them and told them they couldn't teach you more. And in verse 33, they took counsel to kill them. So there's God's word. God's word on a good heart challenges one to repent. God's word on a heart that rebels challenges one to reject. God's word does not have a neutral spot on any heart. So I want to share with you little book, bit from the book of Revelation. I talked to a good friend of mine that's preached for a lot of years. He said, I've never been stupid enough to teach the book of Revelation. And uh, it's an interesting book, but as you know, no scholars agree on what it, teaches, what it teaches. You can be certain of one thing. It was written to the first century church that existed in Asia about the things that were shortly to come about. 
He started the book and he closed the book in the same way in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel said, what should I do with the words of the book? He said, close it up for the time is not at hand. So when John was told to leave the book open, the time was at hand. There's only 400 years from Daniel to this writing. And so that time period had to be within 400 years. So he's writing to the churches that exist in Asia. And the message is, you may be getting your brains beat out. You may be impaled on a stake. You may die a vicious death. But be faithful unto death, and you shall receive the crown of righteousness which is laid up for you in heaven. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for their labor shall follow after them. Revelation 14 verse 13. That's the message. Be faithful. Be faithful. But the reason my heart is attached to this teaching I want to share with you this morning is one of the things that I'm asked in Ethiopia and Sudan. They say, if the church of Christ is the true church, why have we never heard of it? Brother, I appreciate the communion this morning. But you gave us a couple of minutes to think. And I want to give you a few moments to think about that question. The question was, if the church of Christ is a true church, why have we never heard of the church of Christ? You say, wow. My wife and I were traveling one Wednesday, and we were in Giddings, Texas. And we wanted to stop and go to the evening, uh, evening Wednesday evening worship assembly Bible class. And so we didn't know where the building was. And so we stopped and they said, oh, yeah, I just go around this corner and down that street. So we went around there and we found a church building. The sign did not say Church of Christ. So we asked another person. And we were directed again. And we asked another person. And we were directed again. And we asked another person. I think we ended up asking seven or eight people. And nobody knew where the Church of Christ was. And finally someone said, I think, that's that, I think that's the one down there. And we found it. So you say, well, that's a difficult question. Why, why, why would you ask or think the Church of Christ doesn't exist because you hadn't heard of it? The people in Giddings hadn't heard of it either, brethren. And the question is, remember our lesson is to be positive. But the question is what? Do the people in Lake Charles know about the Lord's church? I'm not mad at you. I am extremely mad at Satan. And I'm telling you, if the people in Lake Charles do not know about the Lord's church, it's your fault. I love you. Paul said in Galatians 4, 16, do I offend you for telling you the truth? So I'm not here to abuse you. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to challenge you. So I wanted the book of Revelation chapter 2 in regards to the, the church there. About, I wanted to look at that because there's a very interesting teaching there. It said, here's your problem, church. You've lost your first love. Now, there's different scholarly people that have different remarks for that. I'm not very scholarly. But I think it's saying... 
you quit evangelism. And the reason I'm saying that is because the Jerusalem church had thousands and thousands of members. We know the church at Ephesus, which Paul wrote to, or which John's writing about right here, had thousands of members. Remember that's where he taught in the school of Tyrannus, and they burned up the books. The words of having such an impact, they would burn up the books, and Demetrius wants to call this meeting and have them all beat up and everything. I mean, that was a thriving church. And all the churches in, in Asia Minor were thriving churches. If you go to those areas today, guess what? You got it. If there's a church, it has a handful of people. Why? Why? Because we have stopped evangelizing in the church. And I want to challenge you to think about something. I want you to listen to the prayers. This prayer. I'm not being negative, okay? But I want you to listen to prayers now in the future and see how many times someone will stand up here, including me, and pray, Lord, help us to talk to people about Jesus. Help us to talk to people about Jesus. Well, brother, that's, that's, what, that's what our mission is, is to talk to people about Jesus. But we can pray about it, and we can talk about it, and what our brother said about the, the money that's been spent, we can spend it, but if we don't open our mouth and teach someone, they're never going to know. Romans ten fourteen says, how shall they call on the one whom they've not believed in? How shall they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear except someone should teach them? Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 14, Romans 10, 17. I was a very religious young man. My father was a devout religious person. He was a pipe fitter for a good year over in Pasadena. Pipe fitter and a plumber is about the same thing, except in the refineries you do vessels and in the houses you do smaller things. My dad was very aggressive. There were seven of us children. He would buy a lot and he would build a house on it and he'd sell it. He would work for people after work to make money to support us. Very aggressive man, but was also very devout. And when I was about six years old, I'm the, I'm the baby boy. I have a sister younger than me. All of them dead except me and my sister. We're old. Uh, she's older. I mean, she's really old. She's 81. Uh, I'm 83. I'll be 83 in May. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I observed something when I started going with my dad. I went with him from the time I was about six until I was 12. And when I was 12, we moved from Houston, Texas to Conroe, Texas. Now, you've probably never heard of Conroe, Texas, but you may have heard of the Woodlands. So the Woodlands is close to Conroe, Texas. It's north of, north of Houston, about 40 miles. So for those six years, when I got to go with my father, if he met you on the street, he first told you his name, 
And then when you told him your name and he shook your hand, the next thing he said, are you a Christian? If they said yes, he said, praise God. If they said no, he said, would you like to know about Jesus? That was really ingrained in me for six years. Bought some land in Conroe. If you're ever over there and want Mexican food, there's a, uh, what's the name of that place? Chewy's Mexican food place. It's right there on Interstate 45. That's where I was raised. 40 acres of land he bought. In 1952, it cost $125 an acre. He got killed in 54, and my mom had to sell it at 59 for $1,200 an acre. I wish I had those 40 acres because it's worth $400,000 an acre now. But whenever he moved our family to Conroe, he started a church, and he preached at the church on Sundays, and he talked to people about Jesus, and he did pipe fitting work, and then he was a father, a father that cared enough that we didn't go to bed at night unless we had a Bible study. We didn't go to bed at night unless we prayed. We didn't go on a trip unless we prayed. If I could equate my father to someone, it would be Cornelius in regards to being a good man and praying to God always and giving alms to people. So that's what I grew up with. And he got killed in 54, and I was uh, in eighth grade, and kind of quit going to church because my mother was in the car wreck. I was in the car wreck, but my mother was bedfast for about four years, so we kind of quit going to church. But I didn't forget about God, and when I got into high school, I met a guy. He was the quarterback on the football team, and... Uh, we talked a lot about the Bible. He was of one persuasion religiously, and I was from another persuasion religiously, and we argued back and forth. And then we had a third buddy, and he was a member of the Church of Christ. Well, my quarterback buddy and myself, we, we were pretty good guys. I mean, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the truth. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't cuss. I was raised that way because... When we got a TV, one of those circle TVs, the 12-inch TVs, y'all remember that when they first come out? When a cigarette commercial come on, we turned it off. And when a beer commercial turned it off, we turned it off. And I wasn't per permitted to go to a movie. I didn't go to a movie until I was 18 years old. I'm only telling you that to tell you that I was raised in a religious home and I practiced religion. So my friend that was a member of the Church of Christ he was very, he did a lot of things he shouldn't do. In our arguments with each other, studies with each other, me and my brother, my friend's a quarterback and my other man, he would say, well, Tyrone, you need to be a member of Church Christ. Now, those of you that are old enough, you know about that, don't you? If you're not a member of Church Christ, you're going where? Hell. So, he said, you need to be a member of Church of Christ. I said, well, maybe so and maybe not. I said, but I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't curse. I don't do anything. And you do all those things. Are you ready for this? He said, but I, I take the Lord's Supper on Sunday. What? What? 
He said, but I take the Lord's Supper on Sunday. Taking the Lord's Supper made you a Christian? Is that crazy? Or That's crazy, isn't it? So then, continuing on in my life, I met this little gal. She was two years behind me in high school. And uh, we started going together, and I went off to college and come back, and we got a little bit more serious. And one day we decided to get married. And we got married, and we attended the Church of Christ. And I said, I don't mind going because I worship anywhere. And I sat on the pews for about two months, and I said to myself, self, self being Tyrone, self, you need to, you need to study the Bible and correct those people in that church. <laughs> and so I studied the Bible. Nobody taught me anything. I studied the Bible. And lo and behold, I've been preaching over 50 years, been a Christian 60 years, because of that gal right there. So you don't know who you influence. But you need to know that you're in the right relationship with God. And we sit down at the table with our families and eat dinner. We go to restaurants with our families and sit, go to restaurants and sit across the table from our friends. We go to activities, ball games, and so forth with our friends. And we never tell them about Jesus. I don't think it's in our songbook. But the psalm says, you never mentioned him to me. Wow. You know, in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 20, Paul said, Acts chapter 20, when he's before the elders of Ephesus, he said, I'm free of the blood of all men. You know what that means? You know what that means? When you go back to the book of Ezekiel, and you look at the watchman, it says to the watchman, Mr. Watchman, if you see the enemy coming and you warn the people and they come in and destroy the people, the blood's on their hands. But if you see the enemy coming and you don't warn the people, the blood's on your hands. And so Paul was saying in Acts chapter 20, I've told everybody I've come in contact with about Jesus. Now I wish I could say that. I haven't done it. But I've talked a lot. And that, you know, God doesn't, he doesn't write down, all, I'm, not, I'm not working for merit, <laughs> okay? I do that because I don't want anybody to go to hell. Do you? I'm not being negative. I'm challenging this. So, 
you're driving down the road and you see this house in, in flames and you stop and there's someone standing outside and you say, is there anybody in that house? Yes, sir, there's three small children and a mother. You say, boy, it's too bad. I hope they don't burn up. Right? What can I do to get into that house to save those people? What can I do? Is there anything I can do to get into that house and save those people? Anything. And then they burn up and you dream about it and you think about it. What could I have done? Have you read about the rich men and Lazarus? The rich man fared sumptuously and Lazarus begged for the crumbs from his table. And they both died. There's a point that a man wants to die, and after that comes the judgment. And they both died. And Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man went to Hades. And the rich man said, Father Abraham, it's terrible down here. It's terrible down here. Can you just let Lazarus just get a, just a drop of water and touch my tongue with it? And Abraham says, there's a great chasm between here and there. From there, you can't go to here. There's a great chasm. He said, Father Abraham... Would you send someone back to talk to my brothers? Because I don't want them to come here. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. What did that mean? They had the word of God. They had Moses and the prophets. If they wouldn't listen to Moses and the prophets, or if they wouldn't listen to the word of God, they wouldn't listen if one come back from the dead. So I was studying with this person one time, and we just really were making a lot of headway with the study and so forth. And it come to decision time. He had not obeyed the gospel. And he saw in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 9, that the Lord will be revealed from heaven with his angels in flaming fire, having vengeance on those who know not God and who obey not the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They shall be eternally separated from the face of the Lord from the power of his might. And he saw that. He said, wow. I need to obey the gospel. I said, yes, you do. He said, I want to ask you a question. Said, okay. He said, are you telling me if my sweet, kind, loving grandmother didn't obey the gospel, she went to hell? Hello? Did you ever hear that? Are you telling me that my sweet kind went to hell? And I said, well, I'm not telling you anything in and of myself. I'm reading the scriptures. Did you read that? He said, yes. And we went back and forth. And I didn't preface this because 
This guy had come to church more. I, I preached in Waco for seven years. This guy, Texas, Waco, Texas. So this guy had been more faithful than most of the members. And I asked his wife one day, who was a Christian, I said, does Tim know? Why hadn't Tim obeyed the gospel? She said, I don't know. I said, could I come and visit with him? He said, yes. I said, well, look, I just want to come and visit, and then I'm going to see if I can study with him. So I get to his house, and I sit down and talk with him. I said, Tim, you're more faithful at our assemblies and all of our activities than anybody. Why have you not obeyed the gospel? Ready? You ready for this? He said, nobody's ever told me how. He said, I asked my wife, and I asked my father-in-law, who's a deacon. Hello? So now we're at the point where he's got to make a decision, and his decision is, what about my sweet grandmother? Are you telling me she's lost? I see what the Bible says, but I'm not doing it. Okay. That's your choice. I said, so I'm going to make a deal with you. You've been coming to church regularly, and I want you to continue to come to church regularly, so here's the deal. I'm never going to speak to you again about the gospel unless you ask me. Because I don't want you to say, I can't go to church because I'm going to see Tyrone and he's going to berate me about the gospel. Tim, I'm not going to do that. That's my promise to you. I'm not going to do that. Will you accept that? Yes. Will you continue? Yes, I'll continue to come. So we prayed and I left. He went to work at 4 o'clock in the morning, and at 4 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call. His wife told me, I don't even want to tell you what else she told me, but it wasn't good. And she said, you come over here and destroyed my family. said, Tim will never come back to the assembly. And the things that you said and things you told him, he'll hate you. He'll never. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Vicki. Wait a minute. Weren't you at the Bible study? She said, yes. I said, well, what did I teach? She said, the Bible. I said, I've made it a point years ago. I don't know why I'm up here. I'm talking here. I said, I made it a point. I like to ramble. I said, I made a point years ago that I'm not going to answer questions of my own. I didn't die for anybody. Did you? And I can't save anybody. And I can't take anybody to heaven. But I've got a book here that can tell people what they need to do to get to heaven, and that's what I'm going to share with you. So I don't answer questions on my own. I only answer from the Scripture. Well, he'll never be back to church. He'll never be back to church again. So next Sunday, he showed up. And he continued to show up. And he continued to show up. And I never said a thing to him about Jesus. I mean, I preached, but nothing was directed to him or one-on-one. And so we went to a New Year's Eve party, maybe in a year later, maybe two years later, I'm not sure. But it was out in the woods, out of the family's house, lived out in the woods. And as we were leaving, my wife and I were getting in the car, and I said, Hey, Tyrone. I said, What? I called him Tim X. I said, What is it, Tim X? He said, I don't talk to you. What is it, pal? He said, you remember you told me you'd never talk to me about the gospel again? I was going to have to initiate. I said, I told you, Tim, and I, I pray I've been true to the word. He said, you've been true to the word, but I want to obey the gospel. 
And we took him at 1 o'clock in the morning and we baptized him into Christ. And there was a, another brother that had a wife that wasn't a Christian. I'd been studying with her for a period of time. And he said, Tyrone, my wife wants to obey the gospel. I said, great. So when I have someone in the baptistry, I explain about what's going to take place. You know, you're going to participate in the death, burial, and resurrection through a, through a likeness of Christ. And you're going to be fought by Satan because you're marked and he knows who you are. When you become a Christian, Satan really gets at you and all these things. And I asked her, I said, when I studied with you, you didn't want to obey the gospel. Why did you want to obey the gospel? She said, until I saw you in the baptistry and explaining how you die and that you're buried and you're resurrected, I didn't understand that. But I do now, and I want to become a Christian. So she become a Christian. So I'm telling you all that to tell you that there's people that want to know about Jesus And for some reason, Satan has intimidated us. I said us, that means me as well. To where we think that it would be an embarrassment to tell someone about Jesus, or we might be rejected if we tell someone about Jesus. And for some reason or other, Satan puts all this junk in our mind, and we don't do it, brethren. And people are dying in houses with fires that we wish we could get in and get them out, and people are dying going to hell, and we just say, don't know why he never obeyed. So I'm not surprised that the church, the seven churches there in the book of Revelation, is talking about different problems. But there in Ephesus, it said you lost your first love. And you know what? Each one of those churches are told. Each one of those churches are told, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. We have an adversary known the devil, known as the devil. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 9, it calls him Satan, or calls him the devil. He said he works all kinds of counterfeit miracles and signs and wonders and everything that deceives, deceives those so they'll not become a Christian. And here's a very troubling verse. You need to look at it and deal with it because it could happen to Christians too. Paul said under inspiration, because they refuse to love the truth, God would send a strong delusion and cause them to believe a lie so they cannot believe the truth. Do you know what the Bible said? If you believe a lie long enough, God will help you believe a lie so that you can't be a Christian. And I can come and I can sit and I have. And I, you know, I don't want you to think that I'm claiming to be a saint because I don't do near as much as I should do. But I'm telling you, I know people are dying and going to hell. I know that Jesus come to die for them so they can live with him in eternity. And here's the question. 
Why wouldn't you want someone to be a Christian? What a glorious, gracious, great life we have as Christians. Isn't that right? Yeah. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. But the good shepherd comes to give what? Life and give it more abundantly. And then there's that eternal reward. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please God. Those who come to him must believe that he is and a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. What a privilege we have to be a Christian because all of us have someone in our family that dies. Our mates die, our children die, and we can give it to God. And we hurt, but we know God is there and if they're Christians, he's going to take them to be with him. John 14, 24, Jesus said, Father, I want them to be with me so they can see the glory I left. Jesus is waiting for us to come be with him. Isn't that wonderful? I was, I'm almost through. I was at the hospital with a couple of ladies. They were in their 60s, and they took the life support off their mother. They were Christians. She was a Christian. And one of the sisters looked over to the other one and said, I cannot believe we're sitting here waiting for mother to die. And I said, you're not. And she looked at me like I was crazy. I said, you're not. You're sitting here waiting for your mother to meet Jesus. Now, is there anything any greater than that to get to be with Jesus? Now compare, get to be with Jesus to the rich man. Send someone to talk to my brothers so they won't come here. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge me. If you've never been evangelistic, start being. You say, well, I can't teach anybody. Really? On the day of Pentecost, you know what they taught? Acts 2, 22, 24, you by the hand of wicked men have taken and killed this Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. Verse 29, David was a prophet. Why did they talk about David? Because they knew the seed was come through him. David was a prophet. He said his grave, or Paul and Peter said his grave is right there. It's right there. But he's a prophet. He spoke about Jesus. They put him in a grave, and God raised him from the dead. Do you know what else was preached on Pentecost? Nothing. Did you know that? The only thing was preached on that Pentecost is you killed Jesus, but God raised him dead twice. Then in verse 40, 36, he said, Therefore, let all the household of Israel be assured of this one thing. God has made this Jesus and you crucified both Lord and Christ. And then they were pierced in their heart. In verse 41, about 3,000 gladly received his word and obeyed. In verse 47, Acts 2, and the Lord added them to his church, those who were being saved. What a privilege you and I have to teach people about Jesus so they don't go to the devil's hell. I love you with all my heart. I want this to be a positive lesson. But I want to challenge you today, today.
If you need the Lord's invitation, please come as we stand. As